the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Short into the arms of Davis and the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And the rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined as always by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. There's been a lot going on in the world of sports the last few weeks, and to tell you the truth, a lot of it has actually been centered around the Kentucky Wildcats. The NFL draft happened last week, and the Cats had four players drafted and now have a total of eight players on NFL rosters as of today from last year's class. There's a lot going on in the world of college basketball. The transfer portal is hot as ever. There's news coming out every day about player movement, recruiting, and all sorts of fun stuff. And we're going to get to it all today on today's episode of the All Out Kentucky Podcast. And with that being said, I'd like to bring in Sam... And I think that he's going to start it off, start us off um, with the NFL draft and just kind of run you down some things um, as far as the Kentucky Wildcats are concerned. Yes, sir. Thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. It was an exciting weekend for the Kentucky Wildcats with the NFL draft um, commencing this past weekend. And it was an extremely exciting one for us. Uh, like you mentioned, AJ, we had four cats come off the board throughout the Thursday through Sunday draft, as well as four signees uh, there shortly after the draft had finished up. Um, and I guess we'll start with none other than who really was the Kentucky hero all season last year and Wandell Robinson. He was the first to come off the board. Um, to be honest, AJ, this was a bit of a surprise to not only myself, but I'm sure to the rest of Big Blue Nation. But absolutely 100% deserved. I mean, this kid was an absolute stud for us last year. And when we needed to go down the field and score with no better example than what had happened in the Citrus Bowl with that last drive, he was the guy that we went to. Um, and overall, you know, he comes off the board in round two with the 43rd pick going to the New York Giants. Um, you know, obviously you could see his reaction. He is just belated and um, you know, it, it did seem like even himself was a bit shocked, but nonetheless, you know, he's going to do amazing things with this opportunity. I'm extremely excited for him. I would say, you know, the overall fit is a bit questionable in my opinion. Um, just because he's going to be coming in behind, you know, some big names and big stars with Darius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. But obviously he plays a different role, and I do actually think he's going to come in, guys, and he's going to have an immediate impact on that offense. Uh, obviously he's got a young quarterback that he can kind of build a rapport with early and often. I don't know, to be honest, if that's a quarterback that's uh, the future of the New York Giants, so that's definitely a question mark there. But 
as you could see, I mean, this is the first wide receiver off the board for the New York Giants this draft, and they were extremely confident in the pick. And I think Wandell's got to feel extremely excited about the opportunity he has. I mean, this is a big market team, guys. I mean, I know everyone can make the jokes that the Giants are choke artists and blah, blah, blah. But seriously, this is a huge market. Wandell is going to be going into a good system where they clearly know they're trying to build around a young Daniel Jones. And, uh, you know, he's got an exciting opportunity and I am absolutely thrilled about him being the first cat off the board, this NFL draft. Yes, yeah, Sam. And before you go on to those other guys that were drafted, I just wanted to chime in a little bit about, about Wandale and, um, and give you guys my two cents. Um, so the Giants did hire a new coaching staff uh, this season. Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills for a while, and then um, he's now the head coach over in New York for the football Giants. And, um, yeah, I just think it's something to note that they took Wandale as their first receiver off the board. As Sam said, I mean, they do have guys who are um, established in this league, but Kenny Galladay – struggled with the injuries the past couple of years, really has never taken off since coming over from Detroit. Uh, Kendarius Tony from Florida uh, last year, very inconsistent, um, had a few good games, but overall, you know, nothing spectacular. Uh, Sterling Shepard has made a good career in the NFL. Um, he is towards the latter part of his career, but I mean, still a solid player, can still go out there and get you 10 plus catches in a game and, and really help your football team. So, um, I think with them taking Wandale, it's, it's really, they, they do have confidence in him to come in and be a playmaker. And that offense is coming from, or that coaching staff is coming from, you know, an offense in Buffalo with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and just a, a prolific passing offense. Um, so whether Daniel Jones is the quarterback this year, or I mean, into the future, he's obviously going to be the quarterback this year. Um, they have not. They never picked up his fifth-year option. So technically, at the end of this year, um, I would assume they're going to go another route unless he just has a stellar, stellar season and they need to keep him around. But um, yeah, like Sam said, I mean, I think Wandale has a really good opportunity here to come in and um, implant himself in this offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, um, and really be a difference maker and a playmaker at the next level. Yeah, no, absolutely, AJ. You make a great point, obviously, with the opportunities that Wandale will have uh, around that core synergy of the wide receivers that they do have currently. Um, like you said, I mean, really, we don't know what the future holds for Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. Um, but, you know, we'll see. And no matter what, the excitement out of the front office that the Giants did have for Wandell is it kind of speaks the volumes, you know, and, and clearly they knew who they wanted and they got the right guy. And that's got to feel pretty, you know, reassuring for Wandell and his opportunity next year in the NFL. But moving forward, I guess we'll look at the next cat off the board. And, you know, as you mentioned, someone uh, goes out from Detroit a few years ago and someone comes in and, Although it's on the defensive end, Josh Pascal is the next cat off the board. And the second round with the 46th pick, he goes to the Detroit Lions. And uh, 
Obviously, AJ and I, for those of you that may not know, have lived in Detroit for quite some time. Uh, I am no longer there, but AJ is still in the area. So this is a pick that definitely brings some extra excitement out of both AJ and I. So, um, you know, obviously this is just a huge opportunity for Josh. This is going to be a pick for him that he gets to come in and be an immediate impact type of player. I mean, he's going to be playing a large majority of the snaps on the defensive end. Um, This was another clear opportunity out of the Detroit Lions where they got their guy. And they even went so as far as saying in their post uh, interviews, as far as once they actually had secured the bag on drafting Josh Pascal, as that Josh was their guy and that they were ultimately ready to trade up to secure him had they learned from other front offices that he was coming off the board. That, I mean, that speaks all the volumes that you could possibly need. It's an extremely exciting opportunity for those of you that maybe don't follow the NFL, but have heard, you know, all the noise from last year. Yeah. The Detroit Lions really did, you know, struggle all year long, but there was no team when you turned on Sunday to watch a game that was fighting game in and game out against some of the best quality teams in the NFL and just coming up a play or two short every weekend but they were right there. Um, you know, I think the ad of Josh Pascal on the defensive end is going to be a great opportunity for this team and for obviously Josh. I think AJ, his most r- vital role for this defense is going to be the sheer fact that he makes impact plays on pass rushing third downs. Um, you know, obviously we saw his opportunities at Kentucky guys and he was phenomenal. I mean, you know, out walks Josh Allen and in walks Josh Pascal. And he just filled those shoes impeccably. And I think that's exactly what they're looking for out of him going forward in Detroit. Like I said, I mean, his ability to get after the quarterback on those third down plays where it's a clear passing down is going to be critical for his development and opportunities in the NFL. I mean, he can, like we said, carve out a very consistent role where he's out there for the majority of the plays just with the type of defense that they're going to be running in Detroit Um, but I really like the fit here I'm really excited for his opportunity and it as you could kind of see by Josh's reaction I think he is extremely excited to play for Dan Campbell and that defense yeah I'm glad you ended with Dan Campbell because that's actually the first point I was going to make um for those of you who don't know, uh, Dan Campbell took over the Lions last season um, here in Detroit. We don't call him Dan Campbell. We call him Man Campbell, okay? So, um, you know, the whole thing got kicked off with the, I'm gonna, we're going to bite everyone's kneecaps off and everything when he got introduced as a head coach before last season. And, um, you know, uh, I've watched the Lions for a long time. I was watching, uh, you know, before Stafford even got there, and they've – you know, they've gone through their ups and downs for sure, mostly downs. And um, but with 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 the new coach Dan, I mean, he's really trying to build a certain type of culture and one of physicality and toughness, and not hey, we're just going to beat you up, but we're going to play smart and we're going to play tough and we're going to physically wear you down over the course of a game and. Um, the last time that the Lions had a legitimate pass rush was when Ndamukong Sue was 
a young guy playing on the team. And since then, they have not been able to get after the quarterback at all. And, um, you know, for those of you who watch the NFL game and even at the college game, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, it's always been, but I think um, with the new rules and everything with the quarterbacks and just protecting guys more, I mean, it has made that position of a pass rusher just so much more vital to a team and if you really do have a couple guys in the defensive line that you can line four guys up there and go after the quarterback and leave the rest of your team in coverage I mean that's how you win games in the NFL is by getting after the quarterback like that so um, clearly the Lions um, took Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan with the number two pick and then um, got Josh later on so uh, clearly they're sending a message that we're trying to build our defensive line into something that's formidable and is to mess with uh, in the NFL. And um, Josh is going to be a big piece of that. And that's really exciting for him and really exciting for me. I will for sure um, head down to Ford Field at some point this fall and, and watch him play and support him. So I'm super excited for him. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you make some great points, obviously, with the clear direction that the Detroit Lions are heading in especially on the defensive end. I mean, that's been a pain point. I mean, you know, in the NFL, you're going up against some pretty prolific offensive, especially in the division that the Detroit Lions are in. Uh, that had to be addressed, and it's clear that with Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal, they knew that, and Josh is going to have a critical role this year. And obviously on a rookie contract, that's what they're looking out of, and, you know, he's got an opportunity to really – you know, set his name out in the NFL and hopefully, you know, secure a bag here in a few short years as far as being a prolific defensive player in the NFL. But nonetheless, we'll move forward with our next pick off the board for the Kentucky Wildcats in the NFL draft with no further than Luke Fortner. And Luke comes off the board officially in the third round with the 65th overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I thought, AJ, this was a very exciting pick, strictly with the openness of the opportunity, of kind of the, the sheer rebuild that Jacksonville is going to have to go through. And Luke can be that guy going forward. Uh, obviously, for you, those of you that may be tuned in to Last season, Jacksonville maybe had the most embarrassing season I maybe have ever witnessed with the turnover in their coaching staff with Urban Meyer and just the drama that that entire organization went through last year. I mean, it was embarrassing. But nonetheless, uh, Luke Fortner gets his opportunity to have his name called on the draft weekend and... He could be, next year, AJ, their go-to center. I mean, they're going to have to address that. And this is the huge opportunity that Luke has in front of him next year. I mean, for those of you that know, I mean, you want to build that relationship between your starting center and your quarterback. And you have to develop that relationship early and often. And last year, Jacksonville went through a few different injuries and turnover in that center position. And with Urban Meyer at the helm, I mean, obviously, they just didn't develop any trust throughout that offense. And I think that's ultimately why they take Luke in that third round. And 
their goal out of this opportunity is to get him into the system, see how quickly he can get his feet wet and adapt to Trevor Lawrence coming under center with him. And if he can show some early, you know, development there, AJ, I have no doubt that early and often next season, he could be the starter center for the Jacksonville offense. And I think that's what they want to do. They want to develop this guy to be Trevor Lawrence's center going forward. And I mean, how could you not be extremely excited for Luke's opportunity? Yeah. You, yeah, you hit it right on the head. Um, I don't think there's really a whole much, a whole ton more to say. I mean, the kid's got a big opportunity in front of him. Um, rebuilding franchise. They got nowhere to go, but up, um, you have what most people think is an all time talent at the quarterback position down there in Jacksonville. So, um, yeah, who knows what will happen in the future, but big opportunity for Luke and um, super happy for him and excited to see him get to work and see what uh, unfolds this season. No doubt. So I guess that takes us to the last official cat off the board in the 2022 NFL draft with, I think, the biggest surprise out of all of them in which Darian Kennard officially comes off the board, A.J., in the fifth round with the 145th overall pick to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this one, without a doubt, has to be the biggest surprise, even more so than Wandell kind of increasing his draft stock and, and ultimately going off in you know the mid-second round. I, I think the fact that Darian dropped to the fifth round, I mean, A.J., you and I were looking at the big board a few weeks before, and you know, this guy at times was projected a first rounder, even a second rounder. And ultimately, Darian drops all the way to the fifth round. And I, I know some of you are probably sitting here thinking, what the heck went wrong for Darian Kennard? And, you know, ultimately, I've gotten some feedback. And I just think a lot of the offensives that the NFL runs, Darian wasn't going to be the perfect fit. Darian is an amazing offensive lineman that fits into a dropback pass first offensive scheme. A lot of these offenses are now moving to motions and options where they have a mobile quarterback. And when he gets taken off the board in the fifth round to the Kansas city chiefs, that is a perfect fit AJ because Obviously, they are a pass first, like you alluded to on one of our previous All Out Kentucky podcast episodes. Despite what people might think, Patrick Mahomes is not a run first quarterback. I mean, he is a drop back by time, mostly stay in the pocket, although he's extremely crafty and he knows when to get outside that pocket. The Kansas City Chiefs have designed that offensive line to buy Patrick Mahomes that initial time. Then he's amazing at developing the play further if need be. That's why they ultimately bring Darian Kennard in. They even mentioned the fact that he fell to the fifth round. Guys, they traded up for him late in that fifth round so they could make sure that they secured Darian Kennard for that offense. He's going to immediately go into that offensive line and start playing. Um, you know, obviously last year, AJ, that offensive line went through a lot of injury and you could see them kind of depleting towards the end of the regular season and into the postseason, And they had to address that. And that's been a 
conversation that's been going on for a few postseasons now. You know, every offseason, it feels like, okay, the Chiefs are always one of the best teams in the NFL, but what is that one area that they've got to address? And it feels like consistently it's been that offensive line and protecting Patrick Mahomes and giving him that initial pocket. And I don't see anyone better than Darian Kennard coming in and making an immediate impact, um, especially in the NFL. Having an immediate impact at an offensive-defensive line position is difficult. Usually, obviously, those are developmental positions. But nonetheless, I absolutely think that Kansas City got the right guy for this position. You know, I wouldn't be discouraged if I were him by, obviously, him dropping down to the fifth round. It doesn't matter where you're drafted, kid. You just got drafted to a Super Bowl contending team. That's got to be absolutely as exciting as it gets. Yeah, so just to add a little bit more to what Sam was saying. So um, as far as the Kansas City Chiefs go, um, two years, two seasons ago, um, their offensive line kind of fell apart towards the latter part of the season. And before last offseason, they really did a major overhaul. I mean, they basically started five new offensive linemen last season. And, you know, there were times where it went well. There were times where they didn't play so well. Um, And I really just think that that team for sure just needs more depth at that position. They can't really afford guys to be out um, multiple games and things like that. because it's really it's really hurt them the last two seasons. I mean, it's it's cut their season short, and you know, obviously they're they're a team that's at that point now where you know when you got a quarterback like Mahomes and you got talent around him, I mean, you're going for a championship. Because if you're not, then what the hell are you doing out there? So um, I think, like Sam said, with the Darian Kennard pick. Um, that's a guy that they targeted. Obviously, they said, "Hey, this is an offensive lineman that we." has the skills that are necessary for what we're trying to do here. And if other people don't think that, then that's okay. And they clearly knew that he was going to drop down. And then, like Sam said, it got to a point where they said, okay, we got to go get him. And they went and got him. And um, regardless of what round it is, when teams do that sort of thing, they understand who the player is. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of rounds for re- for a reason, you know. Uh, these guys at every single round come in and uh, make an impact. So the fifth round, don't let it fool you. Um, a very well-run organization that has had a tremendous amount of success um, is telling you that this is this is who we want on our team regardless of what round it is. You only get a certain amount of picks each year, so... Uh, just something to think about, and um, you know, if you're feeling any sort of way bummed out about the fact that he fell down to the fifth round, it's okay. Um, he's got a, a very, very bright future ahead of him, and he's got a big opportunity. I mean, all, you know, ca- kind of a common theme with all four of these guys: big opportunities for all four of these guys to come in, and it's really up to them at this point. Um, you know, what are you going to do? How hard are you going to work? And we'll see what happens. I'm super excited. Yeah, AJ. I mean. When you have a consensus All-American, those guys don't just come around, and, and that's Darian Kennard. And the Kansas City Chiefs, like you said, that's that's a team that has had ample success in the last couple of seasons, and they saw that in Darian Kennard. And do not get mistaken, like you said, AJ, 
They traded up. They got the guy that they needed and that they wanted. Yeah, he might have fallen to the fifth round, but honestly, guys, the NFL draft, I mean, once you get out of the first round, it's about addressing your team. Yeah, you're going to go after potentially you know, the best available, but it's about addressing the pieces that you need to build a championship contender, and that's exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Like you said, AJ, I mean, these guys are in the driver's seat. All of them land in you know, relatively great opportunities, and I'm extremely excited for them. But nonetheless, you know, as we kind of alluded to in the prior episode, we did think that, you know, a few more cats might have come off the board, and ultimately that does not happen. But as we stated earlier, we had four draft picks in this NFL draft. However, we have now, BBN, four more signees with different NFL programs throughout the league. Just shortly after the draft, they already have contracts. Um, and I guess we'll just start up with the first and foremost, Justin Riggs signs his first NFL contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think this is going to be a great fit, AJ. Obviously, we watched the Cincinnati Bengals march their way all the way to the Super Bowl. And they are trying to address that position. And I think that's going to be an awesome opportunity for Justin to try to add depth in that position. And I think ultimately he's going to have, you know, almost an immediate impact. I mean, don't get me wrong. He doesn't end up getting drafted, but that does not ultimately matter. I mean, he already assigned a guaranteed contract. He's going to be able to walk into that program and try to make his you know immediate stamp and that's got to be absolutely exciting uh the next one to sign is nonetheless than Yusuf Corker and he joins his fellow teammate in Wandell out in New York and signs with the Giants that's obviously another exciting opportunity then we've got Marcon McCall he signs with the Panthers and we've got our last but not the least, Dare Rosenthal signs with the Atlanta Falcons. Four more Wildcats, a total of eight new NFL Wildcats with contracts ready to roll for the 2023 NFL season. I mean, AJ, that's that's definitely a sign that we kind of talked about last time, AJ. Just I'm so impressed by the staff and Mark Stoops' ability to recruit and develop. And this is ultimately the second or third straight NFL draft where you're just seeing, AJ, the Kentucky Wildcats names popping off the board. And in, honestly, the relative talk as far as one of the teams in all of college football with the most NFL prospects coming off the board. I mean, obviously, we're, we're still going up against, you know, Georgia had an insane amount of draft picks and Ohio state always will produce those picks. Same with Alabama. But I mean, we are up there for a top tier and that's got to be extremely exciting as far as what Mark Stoops continues to do year in and year out with his player development. Yeah. Just to tie a little bow on this. I mean, we, and we have touched on this previously as far as Mark Stoops has is concerned and, you know, you just kind of take back, you take a step back and look at this in the bigger picture. And, um, you know, 
you you've seen you've seen the success on the field now, year over year. You've seen the talent level rise year over year, and now you've continually seen our players get drafted more and more. And as we've talked about previously, as far as next season's concerned, we do have an extreme level of talent coming in to play next season. So, you know, like I said, when you, when you put all these things together, I mean, it just really, it really paints a very clear picture on what Mark Stoops and his coaching staff are doing here for, um, the Kentucky football program. Um, you know, if we just rewind the clock, you know, before he even got here, um, you know, me and Sam wouldn't even be having the opportunity to sit here and talk to you guys about the NFL draft and the cats that were drafted and their opportunities to play and teams targeting our players and just all those sorts of things. So I think it's just, like I said, it's it's uh, when you kind of take a step back and look in the bigger picture, it is really cool to see our program taking these strides and our players having a lot of success and being able to move on to the next level. And it's just all-encompassing as far as our football program goes. Um, the better our guys do in the NFL, the more they get drafted, all those sorts of things go a long way. And continuing to build our program and get high-level recruits and continuing to bring in top-level talent um, to Lexington and, and really to compete in the SEC and continue to – keep Kentucky on the map as far as college football is concerned. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think that's a perfect opportunity to look at one of those talents that is starting to really, really, really heat up in the eyes of the NFL, AJ. And that's none other than Will Levis. Obviously, this guy transfers in prior to last year, and he comes in and has a statement season for the Kentucky Wildcats, 10 wins under his belt, Citrus Bowl champions. He makes a statement by returning to Kentucky. You know, some thought he might be ready for the next level. Some thought he wasn't. He ultimately, in my eyes, makes a brilliant decision to come back. The 2022 NFL draft has now come and gone, and we look at some of the way-too-early draft projections for next season, AJ. And you know who's consistently popping up in the top 10? None other than Will Levis. And it is consistent across the board. That's ESPN, that's CBS, that's other recruiting outlets. I mean, it's extremely exciting as a Kentucky Wildcat fan to see his name respected in the eyes of not just college football guys. We're talking the NFL sees him as an elite prospect for next year. Obviously, we're not jumping the gun. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, he he showed his strides this past season, but they like what they see. N not actually that. They love what they see in Will Levis. And I think he's got one of the best opportunities in college football this year, AJ, to make a statement and really secure his opportunity going forward in the NFL. Yeah, 100%, Sam. And um, something that we had touched on previously in the podcast about Will Levis um, and for all the great things that he did last year, um, the one thing that we did say was as far as his passing went, 
um, and his accuracy that he needed to be more consistent. And, um, you know, all these reports are coming out and the way too early mock drafts and the prospects and everything for next season. And with Will Levis being up there so high, um, you know, I go to ESPN and I'm reading what Todd McShay, NFL draft expert, has to say about Will. And before he says anything about Will's play, um, the first quote is more consistency. And I think that the NFL sees it. The people who watch football and study football, they see it. They see the talent. They see the explosive plays. They see the body, 6'3", 220-plus pounds with a rocket arm, um, mobile can run guys over, strong, physical. So, um, you know, there's a lot to love there. So, um, you know, when this stuff and when this this stuff first started coming out, I, I just, you know, I guess I'm a little bit of a skeptic, but my first, the first thing that I thought of was I don't want this stuff to get to his head. Like, I don't even want to hear about him being a top three prospect because... I don't even want to put that pressure on that kid and have him, you know, feeling some sort of way. And, you know, I thought that that was my initial reaction. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll see what Will has to say about this. And he actually was on the Kentucky Roll Call podcast earlier this week. And I just wanted to give you guys a little quote about what he said when, um, given this sort of information and presented with it. And he said, quote, it's cool, but I mean, it doesn't matter. He said, it's random media people with their own opinions. Obviously, anything you see with that doesn't guarantee anything. If anything, it's just kind of cool to hear and see, but I don't want to spend time and attention on that. And that really put my mind at ease. Um, You got a kid here who understands that, you know, you hear things, you see things, you can't completely block it out, but it's not something to be focused on. He understands that. And this is what I had written down as far as what I had hoped that he would feel like is that this is, this is the start now. Okay. So now these people are saying these things, this is the time now to put the foot on the gas and to work and outwork everybody else. Because they're literally putting him up there. There's two quarterbacks that they're saying are better NFL prospects as of now for next season. And that is Bryce Young out of Alabama and C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Nobody else. So, and those guys are pretty elite quarterbacks. So, you know, like I said, I just, I love the, I love the mindset from Will. And the fact that he knows that there's a lot of work to be done. And he understands that there are big opportunities ahead of him, but that's just not going to come on a silver platter. He's got to work for it. He's got to make smart decisions. He's got to continue to put him and the rest of the team in a position to win next season and play well to continue to build his draft stock. And the last thing that I did want to say was Mark Stoops also had a little something to say about Will Levis and I think it just speaks volumes to their relationship that they've formed in the last year and just what Mark saw in Will and why he chose to bring him over here from Penn State last year and um, 
yeah, so Mark Stoops just said this. I, I know this. I know Will. I know how motivated he is. It'll drive him to see any quarterback taken in front of him because I believe he believes he can be the number one quarterback taken. He has that kind of ability, and I think he's going to have that kind of year. So, you know, just a ringing endorsement from the head coach always, you know, he's not, obviously it's like, well, what else is the guy going to say? But I, I, I really don't believe that Mark would get up there and just start saying that sort of stuff for no reason. Obviously he's going to push for his guy and he wants his guy to do well. And that's totally understandable. But like he said, he, he spent enough time around Will Levis. He understands his mindset, and he's not lying when he says that he knows that Will thinks in his mind that he's the best quarterback in college football, and I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. The confidence, the leadership, all of that. Um, it should be on full display next season, and I'm really excited. Like I said, I just you got you to gotta keep your head down and just continue to grind every single day because you start looking at the paper and you start looking at the you know headlines and then the clippings and all this stuff no get get that crap out of here it's it's not necessary it's cool it's whatever but you go out there you let your play do the talking your, your leadership and we win on the field and these guys are gonna continue to win at the next level so pretty awesome stuff yeah, and you you said one word twice there, AJ, that was my main point about Will Levis and why he is sticking out in the eyes of NFL front offices right now, and that's leadership. This guy is an elite leader. I know every quarterback has to be a leader, but they're not all elite leaders. They don't command the room and the offense the way they should, and this guy absolutely does. And when you're referring to AJ, the way Mark Stoops is speaking about Will Levis right now, that's one thing he directly called out when speaking about Will was that he loves his leadership and his coaching ability directly with the opportunity he has already built with Rich Scangarello. And we talked about that, AJ. Obviously, Rich gets to come in last episode, like we talked about, and said, you know, him and Will now get to go to work every day day in and day out and build that rapport together, build that trust and feed off of each other. Obviously they're both veterans at what they do. You know, Rich isn't coming in taking over, you know, a first time quarterback. This is an experienced leader that he has at the helm of this offense. And that's going to be on full display this next year. And I think that's why ultimately mixed with all his intangibles and his full, you know, just rapport of what he had last year, that's why, you know, NFL scouts are all over him. Like you said, AJ, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a starting point. This is an absolute starting point. He's got to get to work. But how could you not be just so excited as a Kentucky fan to finally have someone on the field, you know, that's just getting the bright lights and the respect that he earned last year. And I, I have full belief, AJ, just like Mark Stoops does, that, he is that guy, and I can't wait for him to prove it. Should be exciting stuff. And just one last little tidbit that I did have was um, I do think that it there's something to be said in the fact that Will and Wandale came over last season and were able to have such an impact 
on the way that we play football. Um, you know, we, we have struggled with our offense in the past at times and we, it took us a while to be able to figure out who we wanted to be and what kind of offensive team we wanted to be going forward. And I think Will and Juan Dale were kind of the new face of like who we are going to be as an offense and who we want to be going forward. Um, and obviously that, that did wonders for Juan Dale. I mean, he shot up the draft board. He, like we said earlier, he got drafted in the second round and, um, I definitely think that it says a lot about a kid and his character to be able to transfer schools like that and to come in and have such an impact on the way the rest of the team plays. And you could just see the joy and excitement every time um, Wandale made a big catch or made a big play and him and Will going nuts. And just like we keep talking about, there's just there's there's a lot more that goes into sports other than the, your physical abilities, you know. A lot of it is the the mental makeup, the the intangibles that people possess, and you know we were lucky that those two came along last season and Wandale left. But having Will back at the helm next she's next season, being able to work work with Rich all off season, um, you know, really being able to just kind of help us turn over or kind of get up that hill or whatever, however you want to phrase it. But we're really kind of trying to climb that mountain right now. Um, and I feel like we almost got a little stagnant for just a minute. And then these guys came in and said, nah, not going to happen. And now it's just super exciting to see this guy come back for another season and really be able to take the reins and just, you know, we'll see what happens. And with that being said, I think that we should definitely start talking about a little basketball because um, things are starting to heat up, Sam, and I know you got some information for the people, so I'm going to leave it to you. Yeah, I mean, along the lines of the transfer portal, I'm sure the majority have seen the recent announcement coming out of the Kentucky Wildcats program last week with the announcement of Keon Brooks officially hitting the transfer portal. And to AJ and I, and to all you listeners that have tuned in to the All Out Kentucky podcast, this is no surprise. This is actually something that was on AJ and I's big board as far as predictions for next season for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball program. Um, it is something that we, we saw and, you know, Ultimately, it does come back to that log jam that we have at the four position. And although I would have loved to see Keon back and have that, you know, opportunity to really step one step further and be that guy for us next year. I mean, he showed those flashes. We saw him go off for 20 point games throughout the season and big opportunities. I mean, we know he's capable of it, but ultimately I think this is a mutual parting for the best interest of both parties. You know, Keon is going to be looking for something where he can have a carved out consistent role that's guaranteed to him. And I know for a fact, y'all, John Calipari could not guarantee that role for him. He's got to fight it, and he earned it this year. Don't get me wrong. I mean, out of the fours that we did have in Jacob Toppin and Keon Brooks and, you know, Bryce and Damian, he earned that spot. 
but that didn't guarantee anything for next year. And I think ultimately that's why he leaves and he hits the transfer portal. And I'm excited for him. I mean, this is not going to be one of those moments where I look back and I say, you know, screw that. You know, why, how could he leave us? How could he not come back and finish what he started? Because, you know, he, he's got to go and fight for his own and get that opportunity to be consistent. And ultimately, I'm sure he thinks in his camp and his family thinks that having that opportunity this upcoming season is going to be the difference maker as far as what gets him drafted. I do think, ironically, that out of all the transfers that have left the Kentucky Wildcats basketball program, AJ, do you know how many have gotten drafted? Zero. None of them. And for those of you that pay attention to the media outlets, Coach Cal was not afraid to say that on a live quote the other day on his podcast. So I, I will just say, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It's not him saying he doesn't wish the absolute best for Keon Brooks. You know he does. He he loves every player that walks through our program. However, he does recognize that, you know, people come to Kentucky to obviously utilize John Calipari and his development and his staff's development to better themselves to hit the next level in the NBA. And ultimately, you know, Keon leaves and he thinks he has a better opportunity elsewhere. And I think that's going to be okay because, AJ, this is going to open up those opportunities for the players that are going to be here. And I think. We don't get the Jacob Toppin that we're about to see this upcoming season with Keon Brooks here, and that's in vital role. And I know Keon was great, but Jacob's about to step into a massive role, and that's not going to happen if Keon's still here. They're going to split. They're going to fight for time. We're going to have to carve out our offense for maybe two big bodies with Oscar Sheway down low, and I don't see that meshing well. Ultimately, him leaving – Jacob gets to stop or step in. Obviously, this opens up another opportunity for Damian Collins. And you heard how excited John Calipari is and how he could be a massive impact player. John obviously was saying how he thinks Damian Collins could be the go-to guy next year. And, you know, I, eh, we'll see. We'll see. But but don't get me wrong. I mean, that that's a five-star coming back. And as long as he can put on some body or some size and that length, I, I mean, yeah, Coach Cal's absolutely right. And that's irreplaceable that's an intangible in Damian Collins and then obviously you got Chris Livingston coming in which I know before I said I think we should play him as a stretch for it sounds like already that's gonna not be the case he'll probably be at that three position but uh either way I you know farewell to Keon Brooks I wish him nothing but the absolute best and I'm sure he's gonna land at a you know big opportunity and it'll be fun to to check in throughout the season and see how he's doing but I think ultimately it's the best for both parties involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we touched on that a while ago. Um, we didn't think he was going to get drafted, and we kind of just said uh, we really just don't see a place for him at Kentucky next season. And, you know, there we have it. But um, I would like to talk about a guy who is going to be on our team next season who is recently – now a part of the Kentucky Wildcats because he wasn't last season. And his name is Antonio Reeves, and he played basketball for Southern Illinois last season. Now you might be asking yourself, who is Antonio Reeves? 
And I will tell you, he is a 6-6 shooting guard. He will be in his fourth season next year. He has played all three of his first three collegiate seasons at Southern Illinois. Um, And I think the best way to kind of describe to you who this this guy is um, is I'm just going to kind of take you through year by year. And then I want to give you a little something that Antonio actually said himself. And I think it's going to give you um, just kind of an example of who he is and what you guys can expect out of him next season. So freshman year, he comes into Southern Illinois and he averages seven points per game. He shoots 30% from three. Not very memorable. He comes in the next year, year two. Okay, got a little more of an expanded role. He increases to 12 points per game per season. 12, not too bad in college basketball at a mid-major. Probably would hope for more, but 12 points per game, you can't really argue with that. Um, Increases three-point shooting just a little bit, up to about 34% that season. Um And then here's where he takes a massive leap. Year three, 20 points per game, 39% from three, 50% from two. So you have a guy here who has just continued to work and work and improve his game over the last three seasons. And they do his Southern Illinois, they do play in a good conference. Um, they have to go to play teams like Northern Illinois and Loyola of Chicago. And so they have teams in their conference that are for real, that have gone to the tournament before, who have real players. So, you know, this kid's not going out and scoring 20 points per game uh, on scrubs. So, like I said, I think that just kind of gives you a little bit of a picture on who he is as a as a player. He's really expanded his game and been able to find that scoring touch, increased his three-point shooting percentage. Um, to get it up to almost 40%, which if he could shoot more than four, if he could shoot 40 plus percent next year from three, I mean, he's going to have a good season. Six, six, he's got really good length. And um, like I said, I just had a little quote here, um, him talking about Cal. And I just think this, this kind of encompasses his whole mindset as a player. Um, and he says, quote, uh, and this is about Cal he's talking about. He says, his goal is to win a national championship. And that's my goal. I want to learn from who I feel is the best, and that is Coach Cal and his staff. Coach Cal loves his players. He loves the game, develops pros, and won a national championship. That's what attracted me to Kentucky. Coach Cal is a very, very relatable guy. Also, assistant coach Chin Coleman and my dad are really good friends. They went to the same high school at different times, so they know each other from the city. I trust him 100%. He then goes on to talk about kind of um, just who he was as a person a little bit and um, just kind of the the work ethic and the things that he's had to do to improve his game and just putting in the hours of film study. And um, he believes that he's going to come in and he's going to be a leader on this team. And I think he's made that clear with Calipari that he's not afraid, even though it's his first season, to be a leader on the team. And he wants to be a mentor to the younger guys who are coming in to show them, 
I don't care how good you think you are. This is what you have to do to get better. This is how you work. This is how you study. This is how you treat your body. And I absolutely love having a guy like that come in and it just speaks for itself. It's in his play. You can go back and watch it. He's progressively getting better. He's progressively getting more confident. And like I said, he, you bring that in and you inject that into a talented room in a talented locker room here um, in Lexington. And I really do think that just kind of takes us up another notch. Um, obviously, he's got to play well. He's got to shoot the ball well. Um, but I don't really have any concerns about that. I think he's going to be a really good fit in the locker room. He's going to be a guy who really just embraces the culture of what Kentucky is. He understands the expectations coming in. He understands the goal. And he's willing to put in the work, and he's going to bring other guys alongside of him to try to get to that goal. And that's really all you can ask for in any player. And to get a transfer and to get a guy to come to your program like that after three years of experience playing college basketball. I mean, you've seen the impact some of the other transfers have had coming into Kentucky before under John Calipari. So um, I have no, absolutely no reason to think that this kid's not going to be able to come in next season and really have a, a big impact on how we play basketball. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. You you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, obviously Antonio Reeves comes to us from a mid-major. And like you said, AJ, he's not going up against scrubs. And, and just to reiterate, guys, they played a great Wisconsin basketball program this past year. And Antonio goes for 25 against – he was being guarded by one of, in the eyes of the NCAA, one of the best players in the nation, guys. And he throws up 25 in their barn and has an amazing night. And then he consistently does it for the entire year and averages 20 points. Booyah. Booyah. We just got a huge recruit, guys. I hope you understand the excitement coming from AJ and I. I mean, like AJ said, the intangibles having three years under his belt. He's ready to step into this role and be a leader, despite obviously having just this first season with the Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, he's coming in, and this is an immediate impact player. I mean, look at it almost in the eyes of how we approached it with some of our previous transfers, as AJ alluded to. I mean, a Davion Mintz, but coming in with almost a more – immediate impact role set for him. I mean, this guy's coming in and obviously John Calipari didn't just give him the keys to the campus, but he's going to come in and he's going to get consistent minutes every single night, guys. And like AJ said, he he finished last year with almost averaging 50% from the field, 40% from three, averaging 20 points. He's 6'6". He's 185 pounds. He's got length. He's got athleticism. He's a type of guard that can go out and get his own basket regardless if he is on or off ball and that mixed with the guards that we already have and case and Wallace guys. And obviously the return of severe Wheeler, that is, that is the brilliant mind of John Calipari going out and getting his guy. I mean, obviously for a second there, AJ, the transfer portal, the announcements, the recruits, it went a little stagnant. Everyone was sitting there. What are we doing? What are we doing? And boom, we get the guy. We we get him, AJ, and Antonio Reeves, and I'm extremely excited. Like we alluded to, I mean, he he can really shoot the heck out of the ball. And I challenge all of you guys, 
go look up Antonio Reeves, throw on a few clips of his basketball play, and you'll see that this guy has range. And he can shoot the ball from anywhere. I mean, he can he can extend well past the three-point line, and you're going to see that in some big games, including that Wisconsin game from last year. He hit some big-time shots. Um, obviously, A.J. said it. I mean, his progression year to year to year, that only opens up the excitement even more from A.J. and I as far as what will he progress to be you know, this next season. And I, I think it's important, obviously, to define that role early and often from Coach Cal and staff. I mean, he's not going to be coming in and necessarily having the, the opportunity to have the volume of shots that he had with, you know, the previous year. But I, I wouldn't be remiss if he obviously has, you know, a 12-point-a-night type scenario. And then the brilliant thing about his opportunity is – he will have those nights, I guarantee you right now, AJ, where he does go for 20-plus because he has that scoring ability and that mentality to go get his basket. That's what I love. Go turn on the film. I I really do challenge your the listeners. Go turn on the film. Watch Antonio Reeves from last year. You will watch. He goes and gets his basket. He creates the space that he needs, and he fires. And that's extremely exciting. I mean – Antonio Reeves, you're going to learn his name. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think, um, you know, something we, we had talked about previously was just kind of the way that uh, Calipari was going to build this roster out and how we just talked about with the disappointment of last season, just the way in which we construct this team and, and how it goes is, you know, how, you know, just how we want to play basketball going forward. And I just think it's going to say a lot about who we are and how we build around Oscar coming back. And I mean, Sam said it, dude, you think about the amount of guards that we're going to have next season to be able to play. I mean, you can mix and match them. You could play. I mean, we could go small with just Oscar and four guards. I mean, you could do three guards and two big. I mean, there's a lot of different ways in which, we can play and we can mix and match and I it's going to be fun to watch. We have a lot of guys who can shoot, who can score, who can create for themselves and create for others. We talked about the other guards last time. Um as far as Savir goes, um and Chris Livingston and uh Casey Wallace. Casey Wallace, not Chris Livingston. I'm sorry. My bad. Um but then CJ, and now you add Antonio to that mix. So, like I said, I mean, that backcourt becomes extremely dangerous. And you guys have a lot of guys who can play on and off the ball. You have guys with length as far as defense is concerned. Kind of kind of cover up severe. Um, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, the guard plays is extremely exciting and something I'm I'm definitely looking forward to because I think that's going to be the key to our success next season. So getting all those guys on the same page, Cal figuring out his rotation, how he wants to play these guys together, where they like to score, how to get them the ball, all the, all those sorts of things, um, which will be really fun to watch transpire next season. Yeah, and that's intentional, AJ. I mean, you know, you look at the un fortunate downfall of the Kentucky Wildcats last year and a few inopportune injuries at the wrong time 
really are the downfall of what transpired first round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, we see Ty Ty Washington go down with an injury. You see Severe Wheeler get hurt as well. And that was all she wrote. That's all she wrote. And, and that's so intentional, AJ, as far as why we're getting that depth at the guard position, because we have to avoid those scenarios and you have to ensure productivity regardless of the rotation that you're going to have out on the floor, AJ. And you're totally right. This is going to give us the ability to mix and match and obviously early and often right now find the rotations that work best, especially with Oscar on the floor and off the floor. But, uh, you know, I'm extremely excited about this commitment and I think, you know, why not potentially add one more and you know we look at that depth and we look at the opportunity that lies ahead as far as next year and i think spoiler alert i think it's a good time you think it's a good time aj um so for those of you that maybe don't follow it as well i do have a little insider information spoiler alert and none of this is confirmed yet except for the sheer fact that John Calipari has confirmed that we do have one more commit for next season that has not made his official announcement, but it is coming. It is a player that actually AJ and I have covered and talked about on this all out Kentucky podcast. So without further ado, I do believe AJ that with my you know insider information, the next commit coming here in the next couple of days is none other than Adu Thero. For those of you that have listened, this is a guy that we have talked about on this podcast before. Let's go. So this is I even news so, to AJ. So for all of you, um, before the show, Sam said, we have another commit. You know, Cal said, we got one coming. Nobody knows who it is, so, um, you know, this is not, we're not giving you 100%. This is what's going on. Sam is just telling you this is what he thinks. I would be absolutely fired up if it is this kid because I have been studying his game ever since he came on Kentucky's radar. We talked about him before, like Sam said, and I'm extremely excited about the potential of this kid being on the Kentucky Wildcats. I didn't mean to cut you off, Sam. I just wanted people to know because... Me and Sam can see each other. You guys can't. And I was just, I went nuts right there when Sam, that the Adu Thero's name came out of Sam's mouth. Because honestly, that's not even close to what I was thinking. I don't know why I had some like new, I was like, why would he be saying, like, why wouldn't he tell us who it is if it wasn't someone like brand new or whatever? So um, yeah, I'm shocked. That's awesome. Yeah, you can, you can keep going, Sam. No, man, it's, it was, that was exciting, obviously to see your reaction live time. Uh, for those of you that obviously can't see AJ right now, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just as excited when I kind of started the unfolding of the development and, you know, as AJ alluded to, it's not confirmed yet guys. So just hang tight, but hopefully I get to say that I called this one again. And, uh, you know, one thing that I loved as far as reports starting to kind of leak out and, you know, Antonio Reeves recruiting process starting to dwindle down to the end here. And hopefully he's going to make his announcement any day. Now, one thing that he did say is that he wants to end up at a program 
where he sees himself develop and do it over the next few seasons. I think our opportunity with Antonio Reeves, AJ, is not only over the next few seasons. But you're, talking also- about, you're talking about a do theory. <laughs> I do think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, you're sorry. good. Yeah, you said Antonio Reeves, and I just want to make sure to clarify yes. for the listeners. So he's talking about a do Thero. Yes. Okay. Our opportunity with a do Thero is not only going to be over the next few seasons, but he's going to be able to come out in AJ and make an impact. Um, you know, we we already covered obviously some of his background and his abilities, and you know why he wasn't on a lot of the big board radars, but you can't replace six, five, 185 pounds. That's the exact same build that we've already kind of been building this entire roster around. And, you know, his productivity has gone up over the last couple of seasons. Like you said, AJ, his sheer ability to handle that basketball is irreplaceable. When you take someone off the floor, like severe Wheeler, like case Wallace, and you have to have a ball dominant player that can bring up the ball and control the offense are you kidding me? I do Thero. Like it's a perfect fit. I'm extremely excited. Hopefully this is something that, uh, obviously comes into fruition over the next couple of days. So stay tuned. Obviously nothing's set in stone yet, but I will say as of today, two, four, seven sports has a hundred percent crystal ball for a do Thero to commit to Kentucky. Stay tuned. Yes, let's go. And also, if you want a full scouting report on Adutheiro, we broke him down in either episode two, yeah, I believe episode two of the All Out Kentucky podcast. So um, all of our podcasts are timestamped. So if you go to the episode, you can find exactly where we broke down Adutheiro if you'd like to go back and check out how we broke down his game if you want to get a little more information on that. Super exciting stuff, Sam. Let's hope that that news and information comes true. Um, If it doesn't, I'm going to hold you to it, and we're going to roast you on the next episode, Um, which also we're going to kind of roast you a little bit here at the end of the show, but not too much. You're going to kind of roast yourself a little bit, but um, you did it to yourself. So um, with that being said, That's all we have for today, and I know we were not with you guys last week, unfortunately, um, for you all. Also unfortunate that we didn't get to record an episode because we really did want to. We had everything ready to go, Um, but me and Sam did travel to Las Vegas last week. We were gone for four days. Um, We were on a bachelor party for our cousin, but we also all were there for the NFL draft and we spent the whole weekend around the draft. We got to see a lot of the excitement around the city as far as um, people being there for the draft, all the players, um, seeing the Kentucky guys get drafted was a really cool experience. Um, Just being able to talk to some different people and just being around that whole atmosphere was a really fun thing. And um, you know, it wouldn't be Vegas without at least one funny story. So before we get out of here, I'm going to have Sam tell you guys a little funny story. And uh, yeah, then we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, so uh, I guess I'll put myself on the hot seat here, thanks to AJ. But 
you know, Vegas was an extremely fun time. We had a great group, obviously, like AJ alluded to. Uh, very cool experience to be able to see some of the cats come off the board uh, directly from Vegas. And it was a long weekend. You know, we were there from Thursday till Sunday. And I thought I made a, a brilliant decision in, you know, wanting to get back Sunday because I knew I'd be miserable. So I booked a 6 a.m. flight straight out of Vegas. And as you do, there is no clocks in that entire city, God forbid. So uh, we stayed up all night, Saturday night, and uh, I just rolled my corcus of a body straight to the airport and somehow made it through the airport security and found myself located safely in my gate. Uh, you know, I had my headphones in and I was just trying to kind of pass out for a few minutes before we boarded our flight and I'm by myself because obviously we were all leaving at, you know, different parts throughout the day and I'm sitting there half asleep and all of a sudden I, you know, I think I hear my name just off in the distance and I'm flying alone guys. So I'm like, what the heck is that? And, you know, I take out my headphones and I look at the poor guy sitting next to me and I say, did you just hear my name? And the old guy looks at me and he says, I don't know who you are. Said, oh, yeah, shoot. Kind of forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next thing I know, I hear over the intercom again, paging Samuel Bradley, please report to gate B to collect your lost belongings. <laughs> All time, man. Then this, uh, then this, guy, then this guy goes, he goes, uh yeah, I don't know what I lost. They go, well, did you lose a wallet, buddy? And he checks his back pocket. He goes, uh, yep, that would be my wallet. So, oh man, just all time stuff. But um, we had a great weekend. It was it was all time. And uh, but we're back, and we're gonna be coming with you um, twice a week going forward. And we will be um, up front and let you know if we're if you know, anything ever gets changed like that again, but we should be Monday, Friday going forward. Um, coming at you. Obviously it's the off season, but this stuff just does not stop. Kentucky basketball and football does not sleep. It's heating up every single day. Stay tuned. Me and Sam are staying on top of everything, all things Kentucky Wildcats, and we will see you guys next time on the All Out Kentucky podcast. Sam, have a good night, my friend. Thanks, y'all. There's only one thing left to say. O-C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.